0: Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sheeran and I will be talking today about how people fully break free from the addiction and recovery trap. And this podcast is also going to be about how families break free from it. We, along with our colleague, Stephen Slate, wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and the Freedom Model for the Family. The Freedom Model offers a completely different approach to addiction. We offer a solution that is individual-centered. There are two ways to learn the Freedom Model in private one-on-one classes, and that is at our beautiful private St. Jude retreat or through at-home Freedom Model private instruction, which we do via video conference, usually Zoom. You can get information about these options at thefreedommodel.org and soberforever.net or by calling one 888 424-2626.
1: We also have, uh, in the next week, we will have the Freedom Model Online program <laughs> yes, as well. Yes, we will. So I'm so excited. That is, I, I forget how many pre-recorded videos, uh, video lessons on the entire curriculum.
0: The, it's about 60 so far.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's uh, uh, I don't know, how many hours of video? It's did we just
0: over 20 hours of video. So in where we've been watching them all and now we're in the editing process, which is exciting. And um, yeah, I, it's going to be ready to go next by the end of next week, really.
1: Yep. yep. So there's an option for people that want to stay home. They don't like reading and they want Michelle and I and Stephen to teach them the yep. the program. So It'll all be there for them for a very affordable price.
0: Yes, yes, we're very excited. Now what we want to talk about today is um, something that's you know that really upsets me and that is the way families are treated and
1: manipulated
0: and manipulated in the, the addiction treatment system and and we hear very often how families are broken apart. By the whole recovery culture.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly happened to my family. My mother uh, got sober in the early 70s. And, uh, and she moved on to a completely different life um, and left uh, her 12 kids behind, so to speak, you know, it was it was a rough go. And uh, it was really centered around her complete change in attitude. And her idea uh, in her mind, she would tell us that it's something she needed to do. Recovery had to come first, which yes. is a, a common uh, platitude that AA uh, says when you become a legion to the cult of AA. And uh, she fell right into that, and uh, our family splintered into all kinds of factions based on ther- bad therapies and AA.
0: Yeah, yeah well, there was somebody recently who wrote online about um you know that that her husband stopped drinking and and he said oh i got to move out cuz you're a trigger you're a trigger for me and um and he you know moved in with one of his, with an a, with his aa sponsor or something and now he's she's she's like he stopped going to work cuz that was a trigger and so now he's basically bumming around surfing and you know he's 50 years old acting like he's 30 and it, this is all part of his recovery
1: yeah that was that whole Uh, strange inner child movement there for a while where they would teach people that they had to behave like children uh, (laughs) as part of their therapy that fell in disfavor after a while because people saw they're still
0: doing it because this uh, woman posted this in the last month
1: (laughs) i know but it was it it literally fell to disfavor because of how childish it was and ridiculous it was but but there are those therapists that hang on to some of these models it's ridiculous
0: we did a we have it it's in our um, YouTube channel. There's a movie called Beautiful Boy. And we actually sat Mark and I sat and there's two videos of it where we critique it. And I was talking to one of my students here about it the other day because he actually saw it. And and I said to him, I go, well, do you know what that movie was about? And he's like, well, yeah, you know, the kid has a, ends up with a heroin problem and he goes to rehab. And then everything's all better because now he's working at the rehab. Right. And I said, no, what that movie was about was how his father, how his family got caught up in the recovery trap.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing that hurts me the most. I, I, you know, I obviously went through... Uh, the problem of getting sucked into the recovery trap. But I, watching these families, you know, every day we talk to families across the country, across the globe really, and how they're manipulated for their money. And yes. it it sickens me because they're
0: so vulnerable. They're so scared yeah. for their loved one.
1: Yeah, and if you if you are a parent out there, hopefully if look at if you're listening to this and you have family that's been fleeced by the industry by the treatment industry, have them listen to this. We yeah. under first of all we understand, and when we wrote the Freedom Model, it was because. Because we had been hurt by the treatment industry. We had been hurt by AA. We had believed in the nonsense, and it, and it took years of our lives away. And, and, and in a lot of cases, I've seen fortunes get dried up as, as rehabs literally just suck the fortune out of a family because they see it as dollar signs. Um, a lot of the California, southern Florida, um, oh, uh, you know, scams, are, are they, they, they've, they've killed people you know. um, And I mean, they've actively gone out and used people and created prostitution rings with people's kids and all kinds of scams, insurance fraud, um, to the point to where Congress got involved, the United States Congress. Um, So you know, this is not a small problem. These families are getting destroyed. And, And these are not little chop shops that open up and close. These are treatment programs
0: that are licensed by the state that they're in. Um, that do this kind of you know tactic where you know you're like you see ads your insurance will pay your insurance will pay and then they send their loved one there and basically i hate to say it but treatment pretty much is a 12-step program you're paying for yeah you know, where you could just send somebody to, to AA or NA meetings and they're going to get the same information.
1: Which is poor at best to begin with. Yes. So so you're starting with a, a model that's, that's terrible, that has success rates that are worse than doing nothing. So it's not a neutral ex- experience for the person. It's, it's a detrimental one for them. Um, they're saddled with a disease they don't have. They're saddled with a disorder they don't have. And nowadays, they're going to diagnose them with mental illness because there's all kinds of uh, uh, money to be made off of those types of uh, medications and therapies. Uh, And it's all a giant insurance racket. And then they'll double bill you. The insurance will pay and you'll get a bill later in the mail if you're rich enough. Well, well, it's just And
0: you're... You know, you, it's up to them how long this person has to stay in treatment. So insurance will pay for just so much. That's right. You know, and then you're like, oh, this person needs a halfway house. This person needs a sober living facility. We just happen to have those for you. Yeah. Um, It's going to be $8,000 a month. Oh, and because you've already paid $40,000 for them to be in a 28-day program, you think $8,000 a month is reasonable. Yeah. Until you see how they're living and you see what you're getting for that whatever eight six or eight thousand dollars a
1: month or the, they're stuffed in a sober living where they can get a job or they pay a thousand bucks a month or eight hundred dollars a month or even five hundred but they're but you know they they're scummy little oh yeah uh, they're
0: in the worst worst areas um, and, and, and
1: people are getting high and drunk in the places and and uh, there's there's prostitution going on there's all kinds of really bad things and parents don't know I've had I've had phone calls. Where a parent has called me. This has happened probably a hundred times. A parent will call me and say, I got your name off of the web, Mr. Sharon, And um, you seem to know what you're talking about. I can't get a hold of my kid. And I go, go, what are you talking about? And they say, well, I, I put him in a rehab. I won't say the name of the rehab because there's been many and they won't let me talk to my son or daughter I said well you know there is HIPAA laws and how old is your son or daughter I'm at the time I'm assuming they're an adult and they said well he's 15 years old or she's you know 14 I said wait a minute they're, they're a minor and they say yeah and at that point I say well you have every legal right you're their guardian you have every, every and you're paying the bill yeah they're they're calling me for more money they want more insurance they need, you know all and I say wait a minute um, let's and then I walk them through a process where we call the local police, and we make them give their child back.
0: Yeah, you know, they literally hold
1: them to hostage. And I've actually had situations where the treatment center has said, "You're the sick person as the parent. You're the one who's sick. We will not give your child back to a situation that is detrimental to them, which is you, until you enter in a different facility, our uh, family program." And so they're literally using the child as ransom. And, and this doesn't just happen once in a great while, folks. This is common practice in rehabilitation today and has been for the last 30 years that I've been involved in it.
0: It's basically kidnapping. It's yeah. kidnapping and by law, you should know this. If you're, if, you're looking, if you're a parent and you're looking for a place for, for a minor, um, don't send them to a rehab. Don't send him to rehab because you basically are absolving yourself of any responsibility at that point. You are it's out of your hands. It's like whenever a parent asks me, you know, so and so in AA or NA told me that because John stole you know my credit card that I should have him arrested, and I'm like, well, you that's an option for you. You know, do you want to? Well, he says if I do that, then he'll get better no if you do that then it becomes out of your hands anything you could do to i mean you can do it if you want and i don't judge it
1: because right, right. parents so, have to some, do what they want to do yeah but don't it, yeah.
0: do it because you think it's going to make him stop using heroin
1: right it it what it is is it makes the parent feel like they have some control yes and and i understand the need for control i do oh, me too. I, and and I understand uh, parents will ask me, well, what should I do? And I say, well, here's the deal. I have one basic rule, and that is you try everything a couple of times, right? Yeah, you might try to love them back to health a few times, maybe five times, maybe ten times. I don't know. Um, but at least a minimum of twice. And then if that doesn't work, is there a thing called tough love where you cut them off? Sure. If if the one option hasn't worked, maybe that'll work. I don't know. But it's none of it's really going to make this person do anything. You see how I phrase that? Make them do anything. Because we have no control over another person, uh, person's autonomy. But you can do all of these things to make yourself feel better. Well,
0: that's it. What I say to parents and what it says in the family book is... You do whatever it is you need to do that helps you to sleep at night because ultimately whatever you're doing is primarily going to affect you. And so if you're not okay with calling the police, then don't. If you're not okay with kicking this person out in the street, then don't. And Ultimately, this is your choice to make and there isn't a wrong decision.
1: That's right. And there comes, there might be, come a point where you're so utterly fed up that you can't stand your kid. You're frustrated beyond belief. Your heart has been crushed and disheartened by multiple maybe overdoses. You're terrified and you say to yourself, I got to cut my loss here. I have to have some sanity in my household. So I'm going to ask this person to leave and I'm going to cut ties. You wouldn't be the first parent to do that in the history of human living. Uh, I'm not saying that's what everybody should do. You see, what happens in treatment is these professionals will tell you that that action somehow will control the situation. It's a lie. Here's what it controls. It controls you. If you live in a chaotic situation with your son or daughter in your home, you have the right to have a calm home. You do. Oh, now. Yeah. You, but you may say, you know what? I'm not willing to take that risk and I'd rather have the chaos and at least know they're safe. Okay, that's fair too. That made you feel better, didn't it? And there's nothing wrong with you feeling better. As long as you understand that you're not in control of making, you're not the facilitator of some sort of positive change. You really, You don't have that control. So uh the only thing you can control is your sphere of influence you and your uh resources that's it
0: and let's let's tackle this uh bullshit called enabling um even if you decide okay i'm going to put my loved one up in a in a apartment i'm going to help them pay their bills um you're not enabling you're not making them go out and get
1: high right do you see that's important i want you to repeat what you just said yeah
0: you it's there's this idea that because i've had parents call me and they say um and they're embarrassed yes and they're and they're heartbroken and they're like i'm an enabler i'm the reason that my daughter is still getting high and i'm like whoa (laughs) whoa no your daughter's making choices in her life. She wants to get high. Whether you pay her bills or don't pay her bills, she's gonna find a way to get high.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and she may blame you because she's learned sure, that. In treatment. She's
0: learned that in treatment that you're enabler, Mom. You're terrible. And then she manipulates you to keep giving her what she wants.
1: Yeah. So there's all these games that people play as if they have some control. And the and the kid may also act as if um, they're being controlled by you. <laughs> yes, that happens so much. <laughs> you know, and so, so you have what's called a neurotic lock. You have this, these roles that you play. And the only way to win sometimes is to walk away. I'm not saying that that's not an option. Sometimes you have to just let go um, for your own sanity. My dad, my dad was funny. By the time I came along, I was I was the twelfth kid, <laughs> and a bunch of us went to rehab and stuff, and it was it was a, a total shit show. And um, so he was talking to one of my uh, the the in laws in the family, and I'll never forget it. She said, "How come you built a separate house for the kids to live in, and you were never around the kids? You had twelve kids, and you're never." And she had the balls to ask, you know. And he said. Well, for God's sakes, they would have killed me. And she said, What do you mean? He goes, No, just being around twelve kids, are you kidding me? That I would have gone out of my mind being around all those kids. Oh my God. <laughs> and I thought about it. Now I have three kids and I thought to myself, if I had a run of about, you know, twenty years with kids under my household, under my roof, and there were twelve I I would have left too, you know. <laughs> I would have. So, um, he it was funny because uh, in the end all all us kids turned out really all right and the I think some of it was his he wasn't a great dad he really was he was a terrible dad but but there were certain truths that he held to and one of them was I have no control I yeah. have no he, he he knew that he knew. And, and there was a certain freedom as a kid to understand that it all laid on my shoulders. And he was totally unapologetic for that. He said, if you fuck up life, that's on you, man. You know, and, and he, and that was just the way it was. And that saved a lot of us kids. You know, it did in the long run.
0: And I, I can say that, that my mother, my mother loved me no matter what. I mean, she was not a overly affectionate mom. She wasn't. Um, you know, but she, she was, she was kind of daisical. She, she let us get away with murder, you know, if we wanted to. Um, but she, she let me figure things out. Yeah. She loved me long enough to let me figure things out. And, and I, I crossed a couple lines there and I pushed her kind of to the limit, um, but in the end, and and I could see it because she went to Al-Anon because of my dad. So she she struggled. She always felt like she was doing too much for me, and um, but I but I changed. She let me stay home. She let me have a safe place to live, and and I changed.
1: Yeah, yeah. you know,
0: and one day I just decided I didn't want to do that anymore. So so this is what I say to parents. I'm like, you could kick this person out, and they'll they'll change. You could not kick them out and they'll change
1: you could kick them out and they od
0: and they od or you could not kick them out and they they od OD in the room i I, I mean there there's infinite possibilities right so it really does come down to what do you want for you yeah you know and and don't don't feel guilty the guilt the shame of having a child or even having a spouse that's doing this stuff set it aside it isn't your fault none of it's your fault um, and just figure out how you can be happier
1: Well, that okay so here's the deal so you have autonomy you you are your own person your own separate person with your own free will your own positive pursuits of happiness so that's where when you recognize that the only thing honestly that you can really change is yourself yes and your actions and your resources and it's all people say well that sounds so selfish mark and i say well that's because human living is selfish yeah it is completely totally 100 percent self-centered you will never do something for others unless it benefits you Now now i'm gonna repeat that you will never do for others unless it benefits you if it doesn't make you feel better to try and control your kid's life then you won't do it right i mean that's just a that's just a fact of how things work so if you are trying to control your kid you're living in the illusion and the delusion that you have some sort of control over that person and that makes you feel good it's bullshit it's not true you know, you don't have any control over your kid, their actions, their habits, or any of it. They have to come to grips with that. Now, that doesn't mean that you step back like my dad did and basically let your kids live like wolves, okay? <laughs> that wasn't too advantageous either. Um, but I can tell you that I was a better parent, and I did learn some things raising three successful kids and who and went through hard times too. Um, and that was I talked with them a lot yes. as a unified front with my wife, we, we figured out strategies it was tense because that is the nature of raising kids that are That's a little sure. problematic or whatever um, I think it's all kids well I, I think so I think teenagers but but it's the it's the open dialogue I mean we were seriously open about our struggles as parents and and uh, when we were younger and um, and how we figured out these things, and that we had our shit together, you know. Now, and they should probably listen. The kids should probably listen. So we were confident in our conversations with with our kids. So I can't I can't tell you how to parent, but I can tell you one thing: be a unified front if if you're together, or, you're, or even if you're divorced with your with your spouse, if there's an ex, and uh, and work as hard as you can talking with your kids openly.
0: Now I wanna I wanna give people a little bit of anecdotal data here between mark and i we have six children that range in age from 18 to 27 and um and both both mark and his wife had problems both me and my husband had problems and not a single one of our kids has an addiction issue that's true Not a single one. And it's not that they're totally abstinent and they don't use substances. And it's
1: not like they didn't struggle with
0: things. Right. That they didn't have their own struggles. But they knew beyond the shadow of a doubt based on how they were raised that substances had would have no control over them.
1: That's exactly right. We had healthy drinking norms, we showed them that you could drink and get a buzz on without it being a catastrophic mess. Uh, we eliminated the idea that there's some license to misbehave and act like a jackass when you're loaded. Yep. Um, we eliminated and we talked openly about all of these things. And uh, the, all a lot of these kids went through college, they yeah. went through the you know, the freshman year of partying and all that sort of stuff. And they went through it with pretty much grace. Now, they, some of my kids struggled a little more, I think. Um, but they got through it.
0: But they never, nobody ever once thought they were out of control. Never. Not never. Not once. And, and, and they, I mean, it's so important that, that I mean, the, the fundamental idea of powerlessness is, and what the treatment industry does to families, because the here's the irony of it. So the individual, the substance user is powerless, but the families are enabling. So it's not the substance
1: user's responsibility. It's the family's fault. Oh, That's a good point. So on the one side, they're telling the the substance user that they have absolutely no game in their future. They have no control. They're powerless. Think about that term. They're completely powerless over the outcome. And then they put all the control in a completely separate entity. Yep, Over that person's life, over the kid's life, and say, you have control yeah, over he- this powerless, hapless victim over here. Uh, that, is, that is a good point. How twisted is that?
0: Exactly. And now you add in, you add in that when people go into treatment now, they're trying to figure out where their trauma is. Oh, yeah. Where's your trauma? And so you've got this whole generation of people going into treatment who maybe had pretty average childhoods. And when I say average childhoods, I'm like, you know, parents yell at you and you get hit once in a while. And that's just the nature of being a kid and a parent, right? And so you, maybe you were just getting your drink on and having a good time. And then you ended up getting a DWI and then you go to rehab. And now all of a sudden, you're going through all of this childhood supposed trauma,
1: yeah, they're and looking for it, and that's the
0: other it. way that families are torn apart because parents are blindsided by this
1: shit. Yeah, they are. It's it's really awful. It's really awful, and the stats don't show any connection between, uh, you know, having uh, high trauma scores and and a, a massive amount of quote unquote alcoholism or drug addiction. In some places you can see some correlations of rising rates, but it's not a one to one thing. Um, I mean like the broken home in beautiful boy
0: there is a scene where you see him he's like 10 years old his parents have gotten divorced and he has to get on a plane to fly to I think Seattle from like Los Angeles and um, and you see him and he looks sad and dejected and he said gotta you know it's probably hard for him I'm sure but they 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 Put that in there to try and make the connection that this this is why he he went after you know heroin or he went after methamphetamine.
1: And and here we have I want you to think about this. This is why it's a correlation and not causation. Uh, this connection between divorce, for example, a broken family, and drug use, fifty percent of marriages end up in divorce and 50% of people are not shit faced on methamphetamine right. or, or alcohol or cocaine I think or heroin. I think
0: it's as much as 65 to 70% of children are raised in one parent households now. Yeah. You know? And so w- do we see 65 to 70% of the population has a problem? <laughs> no, definitely not.
1: Right. Right. So, so here's, if there's, a message for, for parents. It's you have no control over your child's decision-making. What you have control over is the conversation. Yes. the You have control over your resources. You have control over your happiness. You have control over what you want in life. You have control of how you feel about your children, uh, both good and bad. You have control over your sphere of influence. You don't have control over their decision-making. Control. Do you have an influence? Only if you decide to talk to them. Yeah. And in some cases, the influence is to not talk to them. I mean, there's every option available to you. The point is, is I think if you have as many conversations as you can, become educated in the freedom model. First of all, know your facts. If, you, if you're gonna pile on a whole heaping bunch of panic and addiction ideas that you're an addict when you're freaking out because they smoked a couple joints one night um, or they got their first DWI or whatever it might be, uh, you might want to read the Freedom Model and lower the panic. You also might want to watch Stephen Slate, our co-authors, TED Talk.
0: Yes. Uh, what is it called? It's or- called Our Relationship with the, to Addiction or With Addiction. And if, but if you put in Stephen Slate, TED Talk, addiction uh in youtube you'll find it It'll yeah, be the first also, one that pops up
1: i think it's on our, our youtube channel and it's on our website as well thefreedommodel.org you can find it there as well
0: yes yes um so also you can go get the freedom model for the family and you can get that on our website thefreedommodel.org you can enter coupon code freedom 100 at checkout and get the digital edition of it for free or um, you can go ahead and order it on Amazon, and there's a Kindle edition. And in September there will also be an audiobook.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So, so listen, there's there's total resources for for explaining everything that we've been talking about. That book is indispensable. I would definitely get the Freedom Model for the Family because um, it was written specifically for for families and anybody, you know, friends, that sort of thing. Um, and also if you're if you're, um, if you want to learn the Freedom Model in a different way than a book, once you've maybe read that book or got that o- audiobook we also have the audio book for the Freedom Model for Addictions, and we also yes. will have Freedom Model online program, like we mentioned earlier, which will we can literally teach you from home.
0: Yes, yes, and I will do. Um, if you if you want, if you are have a loved one that's that is struggling, maybe you've invested in a bunch of different treatment programs and they're worse than ever. Maybe you're estranged from them because, you know, then call the toll free number and talk with Danny. You could actually set up an appointment to talk with me as well. If you'd like to, um, I will do the the first consultation for free. Um, just call them at 888-424-2626. Um, yes, we have helped families get get their loved ones out of these horrible treatment programs um, that basically kidnap their loved one
1: yeah and and know that we've helped over 25,000 people move past this uh, this problem and their families move past all of this to a much better situation and uh, we can help you too oh and one last thing we also have uh freedom model international which will be public seminars oh, for right. for the public talking about these very topics just like we're doing on the podcast here but we will be um providing live uh, seminars so you can join that uh, we will have a website up soon but that's going to be called freedom model international seminars
0: look at our goal is to build a movement a movement to a solution that actually helps people, that keeps families together, that doesn't tear them apart, um, and that makes sense, and that's you know research based, logical, yeah, absolutely logical, um, and not based in myths,
1: and fear, and panic. Yep, exactly. You won't be manipulated. You'll be provided information that will be freeing, encouraging, empowering. And here's the last thing I want to tell you. The statistics are that your your child, your loved one, your spouse has an over ninety percent chance of moving past this problem, whether they're treated or not. Given enough time, people age out of this problem to the tune of nine out of ten people. Yep. So, so know that the odds are way in their favor, low, way way in their favor, and lower the panic. Yes. Um, yeah, it's yes. very it's hopeful.
0: A, it's a very hopeful situation. Thank you so much for listening today. If you are someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or other habitual behavior, or you want help breaking free and moving past recovery as well, you can reach us at 888-424-2626 or through our websites, thefreedommodel.org, leaveaddictionbehind.com and soberforever.net. At thefreedommodel.org, we have a bunch of free resources and information, including videos, these podcasts ebooks, and also digital editions of the Freedom Model for Addictions and the Freedom Model for the Family are available uh, for purchase on that site as well. Or you can get paperback or Kindle versions on Amazon or one of the other online retailers. We also have our audiobook available on our our website and it is available through Audible and, and other online retailers. You can follow us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and subscribe to the Freedom Model YouTube channel. You can join our private Facebook group called the Freedom Model Group. Um, And there are some great leaving AA and d programming groups as well. From everyone here at the St. Jude Retreat and the Freedom Model, we wish you well. Until next time.